Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome into another edition of Slow Your Roll. We are here on a Wednesday, Wednesday, April 19th, I believe it is right now. It is the 19th, right? No, it's the 20th. Oh, I'm wrong. 420. Oh, God. Oh, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) We are here on a Wednesday, another Wednesday show, just because, you know, busy on Tuesdays and Monday. uh, It was a holiday. So, Patriot's Day. No one knows what that is out of the state. Uh, I know they don't, but do you know what it, you know what it's for? Rich, uh, the guy I do the BevCam broadcast with for Beverly Sports. Do you know what Patriots Day is for? Remembering uh, the start of the Revolutionary War. Yeah, but do you know what it, the story behind it is? Like, just some guy got drunk in a tavern and walked out, and he was mad and pissed and shot a British soldier, and that's how it all started. Oh, oh no, I didn't hear <laughs> that. I mean, I know Lexington conquered. Maybe Paul Rich, maybe, ride, maybe Rich was being funny, but I, no, I, I do, I do believe that's how it actually went down. Uh, that sounds like us. <laughs> yeah, that does sound like Boston, doesn't it? All right. <laughs> anyway, we got, we got a, some NFL talk. We got everybody's holding out now. Terry McLaurin, Debo Samuel, AJ Brown, all want new contracts. The quarterback, the face of the franchise, Kyler, is coming out saying he will not play this year without a contract. We will talk about all of that. Talk a little baseball. Um, that's not Red Sox or outside of everything. A highly touted prospect that everyone was looking forward to who's a baseball nerd watching this year going through some bad early struggles. Julio Rodriguez. We're going to talk about how the Mariners should approach that. Kyrie Irving and the Celtics and Net Series. Celtics taking the first game. The other game is tonight at 7 o'clock. We will talk about the rest of this series. Kyrie. We got another top 10 list. It's a real good one. Should I not spoil it until we get to the end, though? Uh, let's keep it a hush. Well, we'll keep it hush hush. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that, that that's pretty much it. So with that, Jesse, I will turn it over to you to get the show started. Yeah, thank you, thank you, Tom. No uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna just talk a little bit about how like there's there's a tradition that we seem to go through here every <laughs> April um, in Boston sports, and I would love to be able to find there they are the standings. Um, for baseball, and like every every uh, April, you know, baseball baseball is a, I don't know, we start it, it's a warm weather sport. It starts cold, and then we have a we thing called spring training in the warm weather, where it used to be about getting all your players ready for the season and whatnot, and it still is a bit, but it's kind of mostly about stretching out the main roster players, and then seeing what the prospects can kind of do really just against other prospects. So it doesn't tell us much really anymore like it used to. But I feel like because of that, it kind of leads to a situation where a lot of teams, especially the Red Sox, love to do it. Probably because they seem to always start on the road, and when they do play at home, it's always cold. They always start off maybe a little slow. Mm. You know, last year I feel was actually the outlier, other than that first series against the Orioles where <coughs> they got spanked and then they went on a nine-game a nine winning streak. Mm-hmm. But, like, they started off, eh... This year, through 11 games, they're 6-5, and five, and that's, like, okay, I guess. Like, you know, obviously, you'd rather have a hotter start. You'd rather be the Dodgers right now, probably, who actually uh, are 8-3. and three. Actually, Colorado's 8-3, and three too. I just saw that, and that shocked me. Um, but they'll, they'll fall off. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but uh, we have this tradition in Boston where we, if we don't immediately are the best mm-hmm. team in baseball... It's just not okay. Everything is wrong. Burn it down. Fire everyone. It's just not. It's not going happening this year. We're on another. Another curse has happened to us. Like what's going on? And like, I don't want to say it because I feel like it undercuts it. They need to slow their roll and shut the hell up. 
<laughs> because we do this every year, every April. I don't get it. Like, there's 162 games. And if you're 500 through 10 games, obviously I'd rather be better. I'd rather be a... a 10 and 0. Yes. <laughs> but when you're only 500... You're not you're not out of it, bro. <laughs> ten games. You can go zero and ten. You're not out of it in baseball. It's only ten games. We're not even a month in. You know, if it's a bad <clears throat> first, if it's a terrible April, then you can panic. But it's it's April twentieth. There's still ten days left in this month. Is it yeah. a thirty-one day month? Who cares? Um, relax, people. Because if you look at the standing, we are tied for first in our division. I now, it's a three-way tie with New York and Toronto. We just beat uh, what we think is the best team in the division last night, Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Tampa's a, a half a game back. But then look at the rest of the uh, American League. Now, the Angels and Oakland, who I feel are both hugely, not hugely, because they're just above 500 themselves, but they're overachieving mm-hmm. at 7-5 and five each. Um, Oakland's a plus-15 run differential. That's not going to stay like that. That's not going to happen. I don't care. Houston and Seattle will figure it out a little bit more. Both of them are six and five themselves. Uh, Chicago is leading the Central at six and three. That's the easiest freaking division, though, in the American League. Like, no one is out of baseball yet. Nobody is out of baseball. Even the Texas Rangers, the two and eight Texas Rangers, are not out of it. But, like, we don't believe in them. No. But the point is here, like, it's, you know, it's. In the beginning of the season, it always seems to be something. When the pitching is going good, you can't hit. When the when the when you're hitting, they seem to can't pitch. Texas, mm-hmm. um, and like right now, you never really know what you're gonna get out of these Red Sox. Some days they can't hit, some days they can't pitch. But like, I'm not really concerned about much of anything right now no. because some days they are hitting. They put up some good games against the um, the Minnesota Twins the other day. Uh, the starting pitching is. Probably been the biggest question mark so far, mm. um, but like I still have faith in Ivaldi. I like Hauk. Uh, Walker's looked really good. Oh yes, he has actually. Yeah. Yes, he has. Um, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Rich Hill because he's so old. Nothing against the man. It's just you know, and I think he'll figure it out. He's had two not decent starts so far. Um, you know, Pavetta will have a decent start here and there, I'm sure. And actually, our bullpen has been surprisingly good. So I don't get. What people are freaking out about. Even these games you lost, like, you have yet to be really blown out at all. Now, uh, that last game against the Twins wasn't that great. There's a couple, yeah, a couple games where you just didn't hit and you gave up some runs. But, like, you never really have been out of a game. And some of the games you won have been pretty convincing. So, like, shut the hell up. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of this every April. I kind of don't even want to watch the Red Sox in April and don't want to listen to anything because it's all the same thing. Like this, they didn't build the team, they cheaped out. And do I think they cheaped out? Yes, I do. But I still think this team will compete. And I still think this team will be there in October. Despite the fact that we're only a single game over 500. You're still first in the division. You have a better run differential than one of the best offenses put together right now in Toronto. So, like, slow your roll, guys. All right. Jesse, <clears throat> didn't you know that uh, the first two weeks of baseball uh, totally say? Oh, they uh, mean uh, everything. Yeah, 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 they mean exactly. Colorado, the Rockies are the best team. Oh yeah, yeah. The Ro- Colorado Rockies are winning the World Series, bro. Clearly, no. It's gonna, it's <laughs> going to be clearly the Rockies and the Oakland Athletics. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Put put your money on it right now. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, go to the bank right now. 
Colorado like, Oakland World like, Series. It is set in stone, basically, <laughs> because, I mean, we're through two weeks of baseball, so we know everything. Yeah, exactly. We know everything already. Yeah, the Nationals uh, once still had a losing record in June, like a losing overall record, and then won the World Series. Yeah. Something about Boston. I, I don't know what it is. I know we care so much, but... Man, every time I have to listen to sports radio for the first two months of a baseball season, it just makes me so angry. Yeah, here's another here's another wild stat. New York Mets, plus 29 run differential. Oh, I'm sure they have the best offense in baseball. I know it. Yeah, I course. know it. Of course. But like, yeah. and listen, <clears throat> I love the passion of Red Sox fans, but like sometimes you get in your own way and you think you think too much. You yeah. overthink it. Yeah. Like, calm re- down. Relax. <laughs> relax. Relax. It'll we're all average out. We're leading the division. And, you know. <coughs> In a it's three-way through, tie. Yeah, buddy. it's through two weeks, so that means we're going to win the division. Yeah. So relax, people. Yeah. It's ridiculous. All right. I don't have much to add there. Boston, every year, the Sox fans just tick me off with that. Oh, every. Just panicking. <laughs> one of the big, one of the best traditions in baseball. Yes. The, the callers to, to sports radios yeah. <laughs> around this city this time of year are just hilarious. Okay. Tear it all down. <laughs> all right. So rapid fire news. We can move on. The Red Sox, five and three since we did the last show. So they're fine. Calm down. <laughs> uh, the Celtics, 115-114 win in game one of their series with the Nets in what was an absolutely riveting, riveting matchup, which, you know, drama, fans heckling. Kyrie's flipping the fans the double bird on multiple occasions and finally ended with an amazing display of ball movement and passing by the Celtics, leading to a Jason Tatum layup right before the buzzer and the Celtics take game one, 115-114 over the Nets. I don't care that much about basketball. Usually I'm watching this series and I care a lot about this one. No, that game one was actually very exciting. I want this one so bad. And I don't like their chances against the Bucks afterwards, but I just want this one so bad. Oh, you mean the whole thing? I thought you meant this series. No, I want this series so bad. Okay. Yeah, no, no, no. I don't think that I, I don't like the Celtics uh matchup against the Bucks after this. Sure. If yeah. Milwaukee can get by, then okay. I, you just mean you really want this series against Brooklyn. <laughs> yes. I want be- I want this one so bad. All right, the Bruins, 2-3 and three since we did the show last. They're continuing to lose ground, it seems. Losses to the Capitals, Blues, and Senators. Wins over the Penguins and the Blues. So, Also, Christian Vasquez is on the COVID list with some other Red Sox news right now. Shouldn't be the end of the world. They have Kevin Ploiecki. They just called up your boy that you just talked about. Connor Wong. Uh, Connor Wong. He's in the majors. So somebody's in the majors from that trade other than Verdugo. He did have a couple of bats last Who's year. Who's been straight raking, by the way, Verdugo? Yes, he has. Yeah, he really has. He looks real good to start the year. Um, also, <clears throat> just some quick little tidbits. Cam Newton got himself in some hot water for some comments that he made over the week, which, listen, he was in the running for Darwin a little bit because of it though everything was overhyped. Should you go on a podcast, relax, and start talking for 90 minutes when you're looking for an NFL job? Probably not. <laughs> um, but this does point out the things I hate about the media. They took Cam Newton's content, uh, comments completely out of context, diced them up in the ways that they wanted, and then put the headlines as something that it really wasn't, which is Cam Newton tells women to shut up and go cook. That's not really what Cam Newton said. <laughs> Let's all calm down. 
No one really would say that in 2022. Come on. Do you think they should slow their roll? Yes, I think they should slow their roll. It's all over the place. But I don't even know if they should slow their roll. They're doing it on purpose. We all know it. Oh, probably. That's what the media does. Um, Also, though, in one that was just as bad as the actual uh, highlights, Baker Mayfield did a similar thing to Cam, but he didn't talk about women. (laughs) He just went on a 90-minute thing talking about things that no NFL GM probably wants to hear which is booing bothers him. He's just going to keep doing what he's doing and just came across kind of arrogant, like nothing was going to change. So terrible, terrible by Baker Mayfield as well. But Baker has been linked now to the Carolina Panthers. Watch that because it will affect what Carolina does in the draft. We'll have a whole draft special next week, by the way, on Monday. Um, But it could mean that Carolina doesn't take Kenny Pickett because then they can take the guy in Malik Willis that they can sit if they have Baker and they want Baker to start this year. Just think. Just saying. Just saying. And also, Kyler Murray has announced that he doesn't want to play next year until he has a new contract. Others talking about holdouts, McLaurin, A.J. Brown, and Debo Samuel, all talking about how they will not play next year without a new contract. And from that, that leads us into our next topic, which is Kyler Murray. I already already had an opening rant about this, about why Arizona doesn't have to pay him, and I don't think that Arizona is as trapped as everybody else thinks. Um, now it's even gotten worse. And I don't, I want to know what this agent is thinking. Is this Kyler who's just pressing his agent and making the agent do stuff the agent doesn't want to do? Or does the agent really think this is the best way to do things? Because I'm sorry, as a quarterback, as young as Kyler, who hasn't really achieved that much yet, For a franchise nobody thinks is all that bad, this is just a bad look. Do you think other GMs are really looking at this? And we talked about this last night. You know, what if Arizona just wants to trade him? And you're like, well, what is his trade market right now, though? If he's saying he won't play without a new contract, this doesn't bode well. It doesn't look good to the rest of the league. And I know people are like, well, Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson had been in the league for a while had made the playoffs multiple times and was playing for a franchise we all frankly think was one of the most dysfunctional franchises and we could all see it. Nobody thinks that about Arizona. They're they're not they're not a dumpster fire. And also as athletic as Kyler is, Watson's just on another level. He is. He's that too. He's, he's bigger, he's stronger. Yeah. He had the knee thing, but like other than that, he's been healthy. I think eventually Arizona gets this worked out and they do pay him. But I would tell Kyler, if you want to get paid early, you're not getting paid Deshaun money or all these other guy money. You want to get paid early? That's fine. But you're going to have to take less money then. I, I'd pay him 31, 32 million. And I'd probably make it a four or five year deal. Kyler has been hurt pretty much every year he's played. He's a smaller quarterback who needs to run around though. Because he's so small, he's not the greatest pocket passer. He needs to create his own passing lanes. And running is such a big part of his game that that takes that 5'10 small frame and puts it in even more trouble. There's a reason he's hurt almost every year. He hasn't won a playoff game. He was terrible in that last playoff game. I'm not saying Kyler isn't good. I'm not saying Kyler isn't great. I'm not saying that Arizona, if they moved on for Kyle from Kyler, would be at a disadvantage for the next couple of years, especially considering how tough their division is. What I am saying, though, is Arizona might be at a disadvantage if they cave in and now pay this man $40 million from just a 
physical size and availability. And then comes the intangibles, which everyone knows has been an issue behind closed doors pretty much since they drafted him, though they knew about this kind of stuff. They were just willing to put up with it because he was so talented. But do you really want to hand the keys to your franchise and $40 million to a personality like that? As I said last time, does money make the situation better? Not really. Money makes you more of what you are. Did Aaron Rodgers become less of a prick after he got paid $40 million? No, he didn't. Okay? No one does. How, how did AB do when they gave him a bunch <laughs> of money? Did that get better? Oh, no, it didn't. This one's not going to get better if you pay him either. So I don't really know what Arizona's going to do. I think they'll eventually cave in and pay him something. They'll not give Kyler what he wants. And I do think that your point was interesting, that what is the trade market right now if he's demand, if he's saying he won't play without a new contract? Yeah. And, like, I think, because uh, if you look at just, I mean, the similar situation going on in Cleveland, the Baker Mayfield situation. Yes. I feel like he could be someone who's would be pretty easy to move mm-hmm. if it was months ago. Mm-hmm. Like, who... who, who like, we don't think Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield is the most talented quarterback, but he's decently talented, and there was so much market people looking for quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. But they all they all found their homes, and they all everyone found their guys. So now you can't even move Baker Mayfield anymore. Um, and I think, like you said, is this um, Kyler or is this his agent? I, I kind of feel like this is a lot of Kyler. I feel like it has to be. Because, like I mean, there was that statement um, probably over a month ago at this point that mm-hmm. his – Agent put out, and I felt like there was a lot of Kyler Murray's words in there. Mm -hmm. But Kyler was at least somewhat smart enough to be like, I can't say this. I'm going to make my agent say it Mm -hmm. type of thing. And like, and I I also get from the standpoint of like, well, he is young. He is very talented. Give me my money. And also like, he's been injured. So I understand like, all right, I want to be able to know I can make my money Mm -hmm. and be well off when this is over. Because it might not be long for him with his size and how injury prone he is. Mm-hmm. So I understand that point of view. But you're going he's going about it maybe the worst way possible. Mm-hmm. And I know we're in an age where quarterbacks are getting paid more than ever. They're more full of themselves than ever. And kind of for good reason. It's very much about them now. Uh, teams really win with the good quarterbacks. Um, but like... Bro, you think you're gonna get this all all this money and you're gonna get this time and you're gonna get all all this publicity acting like this? Mm-hmm. I, I just I get it, but I don't. Like, you know, you can be full of yourself a little bit because you are so talented and it is all about you. You're the quarterback, but like, bro, no one wants to play with you. Mm-hmm. No one wants to pay you. No one wants you to be the guy if you're gonna be like this. I know. Like I don't. I wouldn't want you anywhere <clears throat> near my franchise. No. If you're like this, now obviously there's always someone in the NFL that's going to pay them, mm-hmm. um, and someone will be like, "Well, he's talented enough. We can put up. We can clean him up, right?" Yeah. Sure. Whatever. And you know, hopefully with age comes maturity. But after a certain point, like, and he is still young, like he, you're just setting your ways, mm-hmm. and he is. And not if you pay sh- him forty million, they become even more set. Yes. Ways. And he, to this point, has not shown any growth. He seems to almost be getting worse. So, like, yeah, I don't, I don't think a contract would actually make him. You know, it's like that thing. You get, I'll be happy when I have the fame, fortune, and power. But it's never, it's never enough mm-hmm. for any of those. So, like, honestly, I, I feel bad for Arizona. Your hands are so tied because what, what can you do? I feel like you can't move him because of the market. Um, and I, I wouldn't want to stick with this guy mm. because 
Who would want to then play with this guy? I know. I'm sure someone would want to, but oh, I'm it was sh- I am telling. Sure. It was telling when we talked about this. When Larry Fitzgerald, maybe the most respected of ex NFL players, a man who carries himself very presidential, never comments on stuff like this. No, never complains. Nobody ever has a bad thing to say about Larry Fitzgerald. And obviously, to the Arizona Cardinals is, you know, held is God to the franchise, you know, comes out and publicly rips an individual the way that he kind of ripped Kyler Murray publicly. Fitzgerald never does that. So if Fitzgerald is talking, you should listen. And Fitzgerald came out and said, Arizona gave him way too much, way too early. The kid is way too into himself. He's selfish, blah, blah, blah. And like I said, if Fitzgerald is talking, you should listen to what Larry has to say. Oh, absolutely. And I, I, I said this last night. I wonder if that played into his choice to say, I, I'm, I'm kind of done. Because he, he was debating last year. with was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to come back. And I, I, I feel like maybe he didn't want to play with a guy like Kyler. Mm. Because I feel like a guy like Larry would be great mm-hmm. for a guy like Kyler. Yeah. Like, bro, you got to take a step back. It's a, this, this is a team game. It's not all about you. Like, it's not about the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe, I'm sure Larry tried, and probably Larry maybe even got sick of it. Maybe. And, like, he seemed to be such a patient <laughs> man, such a great guy. Mm-hmm. And, like, that is, no, when you told me that, that was shocking to me because I, I have never heard him say anything bad about anybody. I've never heard him complain about anything, mm-hmm. despite the fact that he played for a mediocre franchise at best his entire career. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's wild yeah i said larry talks larry talks there's an issue going on um the other thing other than patrick mahomes and justin herbert who we all know are just different i guess josh allen technically got paid a little bit early too again look at them they're just different you know he is the only the only other ones who got paid early recently in the last couple of years jared goff and carson wentz and how have those how do those contracts look now they didn't pan out and I, and I defend Wentz more than anybody else. But at the end of the day, the contract the Eagles gave him didn't hurt, pan out. And one of them, low ceiling, not that talented. The other one, injury prone and a bit of a head case. Well, and here's the thing about the Wentz one. He had that great season where he was probably going to win the MVP if he didn't get injured. Kyler looked like he could be an MVP for the first six weeks of the year. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but injuries. Well, Wentz got injury prone too. This is what I mean. So... Other than the Mahomes and the Herbert, who we all know just by watching, they're just built different. The other two that got paid early, the teams massively, massively regret them and moved them within a year or two. So, something to think about, Arizona. Um, the only thing I could think that Arizona could do would be trade him to Carolina. Because Carolina at least has a high enough pick that if Arizona wants, they can then draft another quarterback. Actually, Wentz was a guy who kind of had the personality of what Kyler seems to be, too. Exactly. He, he seemed to be, there was rumors guy. that he was a toxic locker room guy. He thought yeah. he was full of himself. Yes, exactly. But yeah, I, I think, uh, like I said, Carolina's the only place I can think of that Arizona could trade Kyler. Because mm. then you at least have a high enough pick to take a quarterback if you want one. But at the end of the day, I, I, I in no way do I think this is going to come down to a trade. Especially this late. Yeah, prob- probably not. No, they're going to have to cave in and either pay him or what I would do if I was in Arizona is I'd call his bluff and say, really, you're not going to play? Come on, man. You're going to play, especially when we start fining you. You're going to play. And then maybe you talk about moving on in the offseason. Honestly, I, you know, it would suck to not get anything from a guy like that. But, like, 
yeah, yes, your hands are so tied if you're Arizona that mm-hmm. like I, you kind of almost have to. What? Call his bluff. Oh yeah, yeah. Because exactly. that's that's kind of the only way you're going to get anything out of anything. Exactly. Yeah, he, he he's going to have to play. All right. From that, moving on, <clears throat> the Celtics and the Nets. We never talk that much NBA, but this it's playoff time. It is playoff time, but we also made a joke about how the first round of the NBA playoffs doesn't matter. And it doesn't. <laughs> it does not. Let me, be, let me be very, very, very frank about this series. Whoever wins this series isn't going anywhere, in my opinion, either. You get Milwaukee next. How did the Nets do all season? They're a seventh seed for a reason. Now, I know injuries and blah, 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 but injuries flare up in, in the, the playoffs, too. I mean, I do think the Nets are a little better than their seedings tells. Oh, definitely. Definitely. That's why this series is actually interesting. Between like, This is not a normal two seed versus a seven seed at all. No. It's probably the most interesting. No, by far the most interesting series. But I, going on interesting, right but also just from a pure roster, not other drama, just looking at the roster and the teams, one of the most, the most even two seven seed you could ever have. So <clears throat> it's not a normal one. But neither of these teams are going anywhere. I'm sorry you're not beating Milwaukee either <laughs> of them. The only team I can see who's beating Milwaukee is Philadelphia. That's it. Mm. But hey, Celtics fans, in, in, enjoy this series. Yes. Because this is, some, this is some, some of the wildest NBA drama we've seen in a first round, as long as I can remember. And, this is, and, and by the way, this is another criticism I had a couple of weeks ago about the NBA. Nobody hates each other anymore. It's not yeah. the Pistons and, and the Bulls. No, they're all friends now. And the Celtics and, and the, the Lakers who hated each other. And the Celtics who hated the Pistons for a while. And, you know, Chamberlain versus Will Russell and, and all that kind of stuff. Oh, we'll get into that. Later. Oh, we'll get into that. But <laughs> nobody hates each other anymore. It's not that energy. Like you said, they're all friends actually off the court. And that's kind of annoying. Yeah. Because especially in basketball where talent is the thing that, you know, like talent wins out over everything else and you have the same teams, it seems like, every year for a long period of time in the playoffs. I need something else to keep me interested. Yeah, and the I, fact that they hated each other and were trying so hard to get over the hump and get over the next guy and over the next team was the thing that had me so interested. Yeah, and like, I mean, this this series just has a bunch of those storylines. Mm-hmm. Now, are Tatum and Brown, like they, they the team itself... <coughs> does seem to be cool with Kyrie, you know, after the games, they'll dap him up. It's all that stuff. But it's it's the fans against Kyrie, it yes. seems. And oh boy, can he not seem to handle it. Mm. Now, we went from a couple days ago in the play-in tournament, uh, maybe even a week at this point. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's fasting for Ramadan. Yes. Uh, as actually many players in the NBA uh, do. Um, mm. And like they asked him, it was like, oh, because you, you can't have food or drink from sunup to sundown. And they asked him, like, how are you finding the energy of this? And he talked about it's about God and all his faith and all that stuff. And you know what? If that's true, good for him. But if you're going to say that and then the next game you play, turn around, flip everybody off, tell someone to suck his. Um, like, I kind of think you're full of it. No, he is. I kind of think you're doing. I don't know why you're doing this at that point, because you clearly you're clearly pick and choose about your faith here, man. And that's <laughs> that's not how it works. <laughs> You got to be all in or not at all. Yeah. So, but I mean, that's not the only storyline. Like Odoka was a, a head, uh, not the head coach, uh, assistant coach for the Brooklyn Nets last year. I like the, <clears throat> I really like the head coach matchup of Udoka versus Steve Nash. Steve Nash is a doofus and an idiot. Great mm. player, but like uh, one, maybe mm. one of the dumbest coaches in the NBA right now. Um, and like 
there is, like you said, like this is one of the few series that, like, I'm sure all the players are friends and stuff like that. I don't really think they are, by the way, though. Not all I, I really, no, I don't think, I, I think behind closed well, doors, you know Tatum does not, Tatum and Brown do not like Kyrie. You know what, maybe, maybe they're just, um, but they're playing the game. Sure, and maybe they're just like, you know, they're not going to cause drama because they're more mature uh-huh. than him. But I, and I also assume uh, Durant doesn't like anybody. Um, <laughs> But like this is just just this is some juicy basketball going on right now, and what a game it was! Like you know, the Celtics kind of controlled the game for three quarters, mm-hmm. especially like Tatum was going off for three quarters, and then the fourth quarter was really all nets, and Tatum disappeared. I think he like I think he only had two points, and I think it was the game winning layup. Mm-hmm. And oh, some great passing that was. Oh man, and that just that <clears throat> I can't believe I'm saying this. I am excited for the game tonight. Actually. I am too. I'm excited to see where this goes, because um, like, when have we ever had this in the first round? Even as just a Celtics fan, like you know, when we had the days of Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen and all them, like, it was supposed to be, especially that first one, a cakewalk, and now it wasn't to the finals. But like, there was not much drama other than like the first series went seven mm-hmm. when it wasn't even supposed to. Yeah. But like, I don't know, I. I've never remember anything like this from basketball recently, especially not a first round. No. No. No, absolutely not. No, and uh, you know I, I'm not the Nets. It's not just Boston, all right. The Nets have got to be just like one of the most unlikable. Oh, I'm sure they have a massive target on their back, and I'm sure actually a lot of teams are rooting for the Nets right now because they want to be the one to knock them off. Yeah, like I'm sure I'm sure Philly wants to knock off the Nets so bad, and yes. I don't even just mean Harden. I know, no, they they all would, but yeah, just KD and Kyrie are so unlikable. Mm-hmm. And actually, you know what? Kyrie is so bad right now. I people are forgetting about KD. He hasn't said anything recently. He hasn't caused any drama within the past week. I'm for, we're forgetting about him. I know. It's just Kyrie is so obnoxious. He is, and it's and and it's the holier than thou part where it's just like, dude. As you said, you're gonna talk about your religion and all that, and then flip fans the double bird and tell a guy to suck your you know what yeah like, come on dude my man enos freedom called him out on twitter for it did he really about how like he's picking choosing about his faith and stuff like that did he really yes wait do you have the tweet i can try to quickly find it please find that because enos enos is is uh islamic isn't he yo no he follows islam yeah and he was he's would fast um and stuff like that and he, he was even asked in the past about it when he was uh on the rockets yeah but like Kyrie, it's just, just always just holier than thou, and it's just ridiculous with, with his other antics. He's just a hypocrite when it comes to everything. It seems, just a massive. Oh, one. every every day it seems to be something. Yes, I said one thing and then do another. Basically, is what Kyrie is as a person. Uh, yeah. As far as I know, Islam is supposed to be about you know self discipline and control and stuff like that and he shows none of that especially in that game uh, against the Celtics I hear with you. the fans I found one of them okay uh, he tweeted at him <coughs> hey at Kyrie Irving I'm proud of your fasting and representing the Muslim world however our faith asks us to call out injustices everywhere and then he called out the Brooklyn Nets owner too Brooklyn Nets owner uh, Joe Tsai Tsai I think that's how you pronounce it mm-hmm. is supporting a Muslim genocide of your brothers and sisters in China so we called him out about that too. <laughs> oh man! Um, uh, how can the Muslim world stay silent about your brothers and sisters? Because actually, he even said that. Kyrie yeah. even came on and said that it's me and my brothers and sisters across the world and all that stuff. But like, <laughs> you can't, you cannot pick and choose, my friend. <laughs> yeah. I call. Hey, 
You know what? You can, love you can in personal life, but if you're going to make it public. Yeah, sure. I love to call out the Catholics because they love to pick and choose. Oh, so like, oh, yeah. The Catholics love to pick so and choose. I'm going to call out. We're going to call out you for picking and choosing about Islam. Yes. That's <laughs> so funny. It's so crazy. All right. <clears throat> Is that enough? What do you think? Uh, I got. Do you have a prediction for tonight? I. I think Brooklyn is going to win tonight. You do? I kind of do. Okay. I think it's going to go back to Brooklyn one-one, and I think this game, this series, is definitely going six or seven. Yes. Um, and here's the thing: even if it's not supposed to, I'm sure the NBA will make it go six or seven <laughs> because this is the this is the this is the money count right now. For oh yeah, for the first round, one hundred percent. This is the money count. Another <laughs> stupid thing: why are we dragging this series out over eighteen days? I don't know. I I had a thought: is this a lady? Is it because Kyrie is fasting? And no. we're trying to give him recovery time in between games. No, I think the NBA, the NBA just does this with their series in general. I've always thought there was too much time in between I, games. I don't know if they were gone this hard. Eighteen days from game one to game seven. Uh, I don't. We'll see. We'll see how many of those are needed. I hope not all of them. Oh sure, I I would love for the Celtics to blow them out, shut Kyrie and KD up, make Steve Nash look stupider than he already does. Yeah, I would love that. It's not going to happen. And also, the Celtics like, aren't that good. And also, more time to rest and get uh, Williams. <clears throat> that too. Also, um, Simmons is, was cleared for context. So he might he might be back if this series goes long enough. You know, I think Simmons, if he was in normal basketball form, midseason form, would actually be a game changer in this series. Oh yeah, no, because I, the way he plays defense. Yeah, for a team, a Brooklyn team that doesn't play defense. Yeah, like Katie no, and Kyrie I, do not play defense. I, I I'll second that. Yeah. So, but I don't know how much Simmons is going to help right now since he's not, he hasn't played basketball in, you know, mm, a year. Some rust on that game. <laughs> there's, some, there's some rust on that game. Um, I think, I'm going to try and be optimistic. This one's in Boston too. Kyrie went off last game. Is he really going to do that again? I'm going to go Boston 117, Nets 115. Okay. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to pick scores. I know. Not usually, but anyway, I do like this. So, but another good game. But the last thing, the last thing, you know, I was watching the other shows and stuff. They talk about, oh, Kyrie and the fan base thing. You know, the fans are motivating Kyrie and bringing him to play his game at another level, which like is probably right for one game. I think over an entire series, if you're gonna just stay angry, though, like as Kyrie said, I'm gonna have the same energy for them. If you're just gonna stay angry at the fans and stay angry about something that's not technically about the basketball, I feel like eventually that's going to take a toll on you. Oh, absolutely. Like, okay. You're going to let out too much. You're going to put put too much effort in too quick. It's just exhausting. And then you'll get, you'll get staying, television. Staying that angry is just exhausting after a while. It really is. Sure, and I, I feel like that will that can make you a probably a ball hog. That's it. I'm, I'm going to beat them. Yeah. I need to beat these guys. I need to shut these fans up myself. So despite the fact that he went off last game and maybe the fans motivated his game that game, I would say Boston crowds stay on him. Oh. I think after a while, I think after a while it is going to pay dividends. Like I said, I don't think you can stay this angry and stay at that emotional level for that long without it being exhausting. He's only human after all. He's only human after all. A petty one at that. Um, All right. So with that, I think we're ready to take a break before we get into the next topic. We'll take a quick break, guys, before we get into Julio Rodriguez and his struggles.
And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, here with Slow Your Roll as we move into the next topic. This one came about very organically. As we were planning the show yesterday, we were just, you know, we had MLB Network on in the background. And they were talking about the struggles of the top prospect, one of the guys that any baseball pundit was really looking forward to watching this season, in Julio Rodriguez and the Seattle Mariners, and just what Seattle should do with him. And <clears throat> no doubt about it, the kid is really, really scuffling. He's five for 35 with one extra base hit, one RBI, and he has 17 strikeouts and 35 at-bats. That is bad. The, the kid is scuffling with his first look at real. I think this is 12 real, of them we're looking to. Yeah. With his first look at major league pitching. And Harold Reynolds and all them were going over the tape and all that kind of stuff as well. But there's a couple of things I want to talk about with this. Uh, they, Seattle does have some guys out, especially in the outfield. So that's why you still got to keep giving Rodriguez the at-bats and all that. But the thing I thought was interesting was they were talking about, so how do you approach this? Because you don't want to ruin a kid's confidence is do you send him down or will that ruin things? To me, I thought that was ridiculous. <laughs> now, Matt Vaskersian is not the color guy. It's his job to you know give them fodder and give them things to talk about. So I don't know if he believes it or not, but <clears throat> he was talking about if you send him down, does that kill his confidence? Listen, the kid is 21 years old and a top prospect. I'm sure he knows he's going to have another chance. And if your confidence gets shot, from one trip, return trip down to the minors, you were never had it. You never had it mentally anyway. You were never going to make it. So I clearly don't think that's the thing that Seattle should be worrying about or anyone should be worrying about. But it does become a question of just how do you think the Mariners should approach the situation, Rodriguez? Now, we probably are of the same opinion that it's still way too early in a baseball season. So you probably still give him another two or three weeks and see if he can turn things around before you then look to move on. Seattle is in a position, though, where they are trying to win now. So if he continues to not produce, you're going to have to make changes. Yeah. So you got some thoughts on this, Jesse? Yeah. I mean, first, you got to if you're going to, you know, make him think for a second, make him step back. First, you got to bench him first. They haven't even benched him yet. Mm -hmm. So like and I mean. You said it last night. If you if you send him down and that ruins his confidence so much that he'll never come back again, like, well, then he was never going to make it. Yeah. And, like, you know, isn't that the point of sending them down to make them question what they're doing and how they're playing? Mm -hmm. That's the, that's kind of the point to make them be like, all right, I need to do something else. Mm -hmm. I need to fix something. And, like, isn't when we watched the tape, I mean, it was, it was pretty obvious. Yeah. They're going away, 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 away. Yeah. And that's – I feel like <clears> – <throat> It's not the hardest thing to fix because you, 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 you sit there and you go, kid, you know where they're throwing you. Mm -hmm. Maybe take a little step forward in the box closer to the plate and like we're going to take you to the cage and we're going to throw you away, away, away and we're, you're going to learn to hit it. Yeah. And you're going to learn how to you're going to learn how to go the other way instead of trying to pull everything. Yeah. We're going to make you we're going to make you an all field hitter. Yes. And like, you know, so was, some of those were nasty pitches. Yeah. A lot of two-seamers getting right back over. So I, I get it. It's going to happen sometimes. But that's going to be part of learning the major league. And you're going to identify pitches and stuff like that. And you got to learn to fight them off and all that. Mm -hmm. You don't have to always go away when they throw them away. Just fight it off. Get the next pitch. You know, because they're going to try to throw away from you. But they're not going to do it every time. If you mm -hmm. can fight it off enough till you get they make get that mistake pitch where it's a little more over the plate and then you can do something exactly you got but he's got he's got to take the bat off his shoulder more i feel like that's kind of his biggest problem he's a little too patient with it right now get mm -hmm. a little more aggressive with that yeah you know and this is the thing that <clears throat> this is why you can have a kid 
just go off for like a month and a half, two months, and then never have a good MLB career. This is really this is really what it's all about, especially hitting wise for young prospects and stuff. And a lot of time they have success early on. Rodriguez has not from they've identified the weakness early on. But a lot of them have a lot of success right away because people don't know how to pitch them. And as soon as they figure it out and they go to the tape and they get the game plan down, it's on you on how to adjust. And that that is the thing that me that makes it whether you're going to make the majors or not. Michael Chavez was amazing when he first brought up. Then after a while, people got the tape and realized how to pitch him. And Chavis has never really been able to adjust. That's really what it comes down to for these hitters. They figure out they figure it out eventually, and it's how can you adjust your swing and how can you adjust your game to be able to counteract to them finding your weakness. That's really what makes it and doesn't make it for these hitters. Oh yeah, look at look at any hitter that has <clears throat> just any sort of extensive career at all. Mm-hmm. If you look at them from their rookie year to the last year. Their swing and their batting stance is usually very different mm-hmm. by the time they exit the show. Yeah. So that's just because it's constant adjustment. Mm-hmm. The, you're gonna you're gonna get some hits. You're gonna get hot. They'll they'll watch the tape. They'll learn to pitch you, mm-hmm. and then you're gonna get cold. And then you gotta watch the tape yourself, mm-hmm. see how they're pitching you, and then adjust yourself. And it's just an endless cycle, year after year after year. Mm-hmm. And if you want to have a even somewhat successful baseball career, like you're gonna you're gonna adjust somewhere. Yeah, like I, there's no way a kid like this even went up and thought it's like I'm just gonna be natural. I'm just gonna be from day one the guy. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure he didn't think that. I'm sure he was high about himself. I'm sure he was excited. I'm sure he felt he was gonna be pretty good. But like if he is anything the prospect they thought he was, mm-hmm. he will be fine with the little adjustments here and there. Mm. Exactly, exactly. And <clears throat> you know, I the salt uh, the socks went through this when Dustin was here. Remember, Dustin was horrible for the first like month and a half, two months. Oh yeah, he was batting like one fifty at best. And Terry and them said, "No, it's his job, and and well, we'll we're gonna keep trotting them out there and make sure the kid knows no matter what, it's your job, and you have all the all the runway in the world to adjust." So I I think in a lot of ways that's the way to handle it. I don't think Seattle can quite handle it the same way, just because they are in such a win now mode, but they need every guy. That eventually, if this doesn't turn around, you're going to have to give those ABs to some other people. Like when Lewis comes back, Mitch Hanniger is out right now, I think, with COVID. So you're going to have to give those ABs to other people. But I don't see any reason to panic really just yet. Now, I don't think... Here's what. Here's the one thing that I don't think they can do. They can't keep him on the major league roster and bench him because the kid needs the playing time. He needs the ABs. So it, to me, it does need to be one of two things. He's either starting... And you're going and you're just going to, you've accepted that he's going to bat in the bottom of the order and not a ton of production until he finally turns it around. Or you do need to send him down to AAA so he can get the ABs. I think that's the only thing that Seattle can do. It, it, it's, there's only two options here. I mean, when I say bench, I don't mean like. No, uh, no, no, uh, no, I, no, I know what you mean. You mean, you mean send him down for a day or two so we yeah, can just get. Just watch. Clear his mind and, and get some extra time in the film room and, and, yeah. and adjust to yeah, the yeah, cage. Yeah. Not, not like. No, I know. I was talking about if he struggles for, let's say, another three weeks. Yeah. 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 So we're a month, a month and a week into the season. And he's still struggling just as bad. Then you can't bench him and keep him on the major league roster. You do have to send him down because he needs to play every day and he needs to be able to, to learn and make the adjustments. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at Bobby Dahlbeck last year. Mm-hmm terrible first even half of the season yeah and then he he found he found his swing whatever it was the last two months of the season yeah yeah and then i mean even at that point like everything clicked for him he wasn't a good fielder but then he started hitting and then he started making the plays as well 
Yeah. So you can even find if it's just even a confidence thing, which I'm, I'm sure it's more than that. Like he, it's clearly he needs to learn how to identify and hit outside pitching. But like, you know, even if you just you put him in the field, you make a couple plays in the field, that can just get his confidence up. Student being like that, just making some plays anywhere, mm-hmm. just any anything can really turn a confidence around. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right. So with that, we're going to get into the next topic, which is wide receivers holding out. Terry McLaurin, A.J. Brown, and Debo Samuel all announcing they will not play next year if they don't get a new contract. And I get it from all of them. You know, they're young. They're just at their peak years and they want to try and cash in now at a position that has probably never been more valuable in the NFL than the wide receiver position. And I'm going to congratulate these three for a second because I'm going to say this. They're being smart business-wise. I, I talked about this in between on commercials last show, and I said I was going to bring it up this show, and I'm going to bring it up now. This is the, the golden age for wide receivers and contracts and money, but I don't think it's going to last long. You're in a little bit of a bubble right now, and it's not real. The Jags screwed everyone over with paying Christian Kirk the money that they did. Wide receivers have never been more valuable, and everyone is realizing it. Hell, Cincinnati's O-line is not even that great, but they have a great wide receiving car, and it got them to the Super Bowl, along with the great play of their quarterback, but still. So these wide receivers have never been more talented. They've never been better, and you've n- and the rules are all in their favor. However, here's the caveat. They're getting paid ridiculous amounts of money this year, but they've also never been more good right away. And all those guys who used to be so talented, who they used to go into playing running back and stuff, they all want to be wide receivers now from a very early age. So every year it seems like the draft is giving us five, six, seven, eight sometimes wide receivers who are really good right away. And the last two drafts has given us wide receivers who were breakout stars, some of the best in the game, right away in Jamar Jefferson and Justin, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. So I think... This is only going to be for about a year or two where wide receivers are getting this kind of money in these kind of deals before another draft cycle or maybe two draft cycles goes along and NFL teams and executives start to realize we don't need to overpay for wide receiver. The draft has eight of them every single season. So we don't really need to pay this guy $30 million even though we love him. So I do think this is smart by A.J. Brown, Samuel, and McLaurin to try and get their money now. I will say this. I would probably pay Terry McLaurin. I don't think I'd pay A.J. Brown because he's been injury prone, and I definitely wouldn't pay Debo Samuel. Really? I wouldn't. No, I would not pay Debo, and I'll tell you why. And if I can only pay Debo for three years, maybe I'd do it. But Debo plays running back basically at this point too. I mean, he's just an injury waiting to happen all the time. His style of play and what they use him for, he's an injury waiting to happen. Do you think San Francisco already kind of regrets the George Kittle contract a little bit? Uh, probably. Do you really want another one in Debo Samuel like that? Yeah, but uh, I know are you let I, this guy go? he's the best chess piece ever. I know. If I could overpay him for two or three years, maybe I'd do it. But if Debo starts talking how he wants four or five, I, I don't think I can do it. You wouldn't do four? No. You wouldn't do four and maybe try to front load those three three years. Well, so I can front load very, if I can very cuttable. I can front load it maybe, but 
if he if he's thinking he's going to get paid a decent amount of money for all four or five years, I don't think I can do it if I'm San Francisco. Mm. Actually, a team like that also gets injured all the time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Where are your thoughts? One on on these guys holding out, and also my analogy there of what I think is about to happen in a year or two. Uh, no, actually, I think that's very <clears throat> smart because, like, you're yeah, right. Like, there are so many that come out of the draft every year. It seems, and they used to it used to be like, oh, don't you dare use your first round pick on a wide receiver because like they take a while to take that step and they're busts but, a lot of the time but like Nikhil Harry uh-huh. uh, he was seemingly the only bust of that draft here's the thing would Nikhil Harry even be, be a bust if he was drafted by another team John Ross was a bust too I don't remember who that is exactly he was a Clemson <laughs> wideout great speed but I think Tennessee no 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 Cincinnati took him in the first round a couple of years ago bust uh, yeah but like you know you know, maybe they maybe they kind of feel the same thing. Hmm. That like, well, Christian Kirk just ruined the market, or the Jacksonville Jar- Jaguars just ruined the market, and this might very even out very quickly because hmm. of how, how much of a commodity mm-hmm. these wide receivers seem to be out of the draft now. You know, maybe maybe it's them and their agents being like, "Yo, you want a big payday right now? Mm-hmm. Do it right now!" And sure, like that's that's genius of them if they're thinking like this. But like I. I think I do think you're right that this will almost inevitably have to come back down because of how how easy it might be to find wide receivers soon mm-hmm. and uh, seemingly already. I mean, just think about it. We got we got <clears throat> Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jamison Williams, John Mechie all in this draft. I know a lot of people like Drake London too. I don't think they put him on the same level as the other ones, but I mean, this is still probably four or five wide receivers that are all first round talents in this draft this year too. I mean, just every year. The college has just given you a boatload of highly talented receivers who are good right away. Well, even like the past, yeah, the past four to five years, it's been kind of crazy. Yeah. There's those three we've talked about. <coughs> DK Metcalf was in there. Ayuk um, and Sutton, like they're not that level, but they're still really good. I mean, a Sutton, I think, would be that level if he just could stay healthy. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, there's even just mid-tier wide receivers you can get all over the draft mm-hmm. so uh yeah no i think this this could this could you know very quickly blow up in maybe mm-hmm. the titans uh excuse me the commanders and the titans or the, the 49ers Niners space. space i mean you know you talked about like i don't know if you said it in the show maybe it was the break last week when we were just talking about it how like uh, the the Jaguars are almost maybe a genius for this. Yes. Now, were they thinking that big brain and that uh, about it? Probably no. They Probably just, not. They just threw way too much money at a guy that's not worth it. But they have all that money. Yes. So they can do that. They have more cap space than anybody else in the league. Yeah, and they will for yeah, when a couple we were talking more years. About, yeah, I said it during the show because we were talking about best off seasons, and, and Brian tried to tell me Jacksonville had one of the worst, and I was like, I think Jacksonville had a great one because they, they, they screwed over everybody else for years to come in my opinion yeah maybe i mean and i think Miami's going to be handicapped by that hill contract for a while Devontae's probably worth it but it's still going to limit what the raiders can do in a couple of years yeah and then you had that Derek carr 40 million dollars too what like, oh oh the new contract extension yeah. that he just got he actually could have got paid more though you think so yes uh, a, bunch, a bunch of it was guaranteed if you go look there's, it's a lot of incentives it's a lot of guaranteed Okay, and then the no trade clause too. I thought I, I actually like what Derek Carr did because Derek Carr, I think, oh. in the end, took less money. No, I think he took good less. For Derek Carr, but I think he but, took less money actually than he could have. 
to try and make sure he got the no trade clause in to make sure they could never send him to a bad team. Mm. All right. Well, that, that's a different discussion. Though. That is a different discussion. Um, of these guys, if you were Washington, Tennessee, or the Niners, what would you do? Mm. Now, you, I, I really like A.J. Brown and Debo Samuel, especially A.J. Brown because of his size. But, yeah, you did have that, uh, the injury problems last year. And the year before. Um, I think it was his knee. Yeah, and you're already paying Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill. I don't think you can. Oh, yeah, I don't Ryan think you Tannehill can. Contract. I don't think you can pay AJ Brown. But what do you do with him? Do you trade him? You once again try and call the bluff. Because mm. like I also like, I mean, you do have a really good point with like how dynamic Debo is and how they use him there. But like, y- you could just try to not, <laughs> just try to keep him as a wideout. Yeah, maybe, but that, maybe some jet sweeps every now. But and then, then, how but, valuable is he anymore? Uh, his his ridiculous value comes from the fact that he's just the best chess piece. You can he can do anything. Uh, I I I still feel like kind of San Francisco almost has to pay this guy uh, because that is like half your offense. I guess I, the only reason the only reason maybe they can pay him is because they're not paying their quarterback anything. Sure. I mean, Jimmy G's still there making a decent... Well, if I, they move Jimmy G, like, we still kind of... I don't think it probably will at this point either. But if they do move Jimmy G, to me, this is another reason to move Jimmy G. If you really want to keep Debo like that, you move Jimmy and you go with Trey because you're not paying Trey anything. Mm. I, I I feel like San Fran can't let him go. Really? And, like, ah, oh, he's just so dynamic. I would love a guy like that. I know. It's, it's, it's hard. I know. The, these are gut-wrenching decisions, but you can't just pay everybody. Thank God I'm not a GM. Especially in a salary cap league, man. You got to pay sparingly. I mean, of, of course, but like... Here's how I look at it. You pay the quarterback, you pay the left tackle, you play a pass rusher, and then we can decide if we pay a dynamic wide receiver or a lockdown corner, mm. depending on what your team needs the most. Okay. That's what you pay big money to. Mm. Gotta gotta pay it sparingly, man. It, it, it's it's gut wrenching. The Terry McLaurin's the only one that I kind of see that maybe they need to pony up the cash and pay. He's not even that big. He's not, but I don't think he plays. He doesn't play a style like uh, Debo that makes me um, too concerned that he'll be at an unnecessary injury risk more than other players. They don't really have anyone else. Um, for the most part, he's been a grown up. He's other than other than this, he's never really caused an issue, and they just don't really have anybody else right now. And they don't really have a quarterback either. I mean, they got Wentz, but I don't think anyone thinks he's the long term option. So they're probably either going to bounce around with another veteran who they're not going to have to pay top dollar or two, or they'll draft a kid eventually. So I don't see any reason um, for them not to pay Terry. I think you pay Terry and you draft a wide receiver in this draft uh, as well. But yeah, All right. but AJ Brown, I don't, they can't pay AJ Brown. You're paying Tannehill and Henry already. I mean, someone is going. You to can't be giving all your money to three guys all on the same side of the football. I feel someone is <laughs> going to pay them though. Someone is going to pay them this big money. I'm sure somebody will, especially Debo. Especially also, especially if this takes another year or two for them to figure out how well they can draft these wide receivers. Oh yeah, they'll get paid. No, 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 for sure, for sure. All right, I think that's it. With that. It's time to move on to some of our final segments. So, in honor of Kyrie, actually, you you want to introduce it? Oh, sure. Go, yeah, go I mean, Jesse. This came about because you know, one of the, it's almost like covering up how big the storyline of Brooklyn versus Boston is right now. 
just what an a-hole Kyrie is. People just cannot stop talking about it. And for good reason. He's going off. He's really he's really raising the bar of what it means to be a dirtbag in the NBA. Um, and because of that, and actually, like, when I was looking some of this stuff up, I kind of feel like everyone is doing it right now. But, like... Yeah. Who cares? We can't help but talk about some of the best villains to have ever been around for Boston sports. Yes. And, like, some of the, <clears throat> some of the biggest rivalries... Some of the biggest a-holes that we have ever played against. And we're going to rank them. Yeah. We're going to make another top 10. And so, number 10, Dom. Number 10, we have LeBron James. Of course he was going to be on here. Of course he was going to be on here. He made the last list too. But Ah. LeBron, because he was in the Eastern Conference forever. He was the class of the conference. He was always in the Celtics way, or at least we had to hear about him and see him all the time. What? I feel like the Celtics were more in his way. Well, yeah, but uh, he went to see and hear about him all the time. And then when Boston got their big three in Pierce and Allen and Kevin Durant, James was in their way, whether it was with the Cavs and then eventually with the Heat. And LeBron, especially with the Heat, is a big reason why the big three in Boston only won the one championship. So LeBron, definitely up there. Doesn't help that he was always talked about in the media always thrown in your face you always had to be reminded that the eastern conference was going to have to go through lebron if the celtics wanted to go anywhere so he was a thorn in the celtics side for years they're still they still sell lebron sucks jerseys uh shirts outside of every major boston sports arena we don't like lebron here no oh and then he went to our biggest rival yeah well now he went with the the Lakers. lakers yes all right well then number nine uh, from the 90s, Ulf Samuelson. He was a, uh, I was going to say a Texas Ranger, a New York Ranger. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we had we had a man named Cam Neely on the Bruins. He was a big, bad Bruin. He was a Bruin in all forms. Mm-hmm. Literally, the, he bled that stuff. And he was our guy. And then come, come playoff time, dirty old Ulf, he threw a knee-on-knee hit, and uh, Cam Neely was never the same after that. Ruined his hip. He was never. He could never put up the points. He could never skate the way he could. He ruined one of the greatest Bruins of all times career, and we can never forgive a piece of crap like that. <laughs> Neon knee hits are the worst thing in hockey. Mm. Ulf Samuelson. Right. Ulf. Number eight. We don't. I feel like truly, if you talk to most fans, they don't hate this man as an individual, but he was the face of the evil empire here in Boston for years. He always was clutch. It seemed he always came up with big hits and he was the man who we always felt overshadowed unjustifiably our main man in Nomar Garcia Parra. And that is Derek Jeter. Number eight as Boston sports villains. As I said, captain of the evil empire, clutch player all the time. Another media darling who got a lot of attention, a lot of love, Sometimes we felt unjustifiably sometimes in Boston, and we felt that our guy Nomar was better than him too. But the Yankees used to beat us all the time back then too. And Jeter was always seemed to play a big part in those as well with some big clutch hits and big moments. He'd make big plays. And yeah, just a media darling who we all felt our guy was better, but he, our guy didn't have the wins. He didn't have the chance to do the postseason stuff. So Derek Jeter at number eight, the constant thorn Four years in the side of the Yankee, uh, in in the side of the Celtics. Mm. Actually, number seven, 
a kind of a similar situation. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a dirtbag. He wasn't. No one hates the man. No. It's just the team he played for and how much of a thorn in the team side he was. And that's Magic Johnson. Mm. Another just great one-on-one rivalry in terms of players and sports. Magic and Bird. Mm. You know, if it wasn't for Magic Johnson, probably the Celtics probably would have had at least another two championships. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, if you look at the other side, I'm sure Larry is probably more of the villain in L.A. than yes. Magic is here. That's why he's <laughs> just outside of the top five looking in. Mm-hmm. But... For such a good player and how much trouble he did cause the Celtics throughout in that rivalry, you can't help but say Magic Johnson is a villain in the eyes of Boston sports, despite the fact that he was a nice guy. Yeah. Bird probably is put even higher when in the echelon of like all-time great NBA players, too, if it wasn't for Magic. Oh, I'm sure. And actually, that, that rivalry started even in college. Yes. And then what perfect teams for them to go to yeah. and just really ramp it up mm-hmm. and make it so exciting. And it was the other thing. It was it was again some of it was media and stuff too because it was the Showtime flashy Lakers against Boston where we're never really that flashy here. It's the culture is different. It's 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 a little grittier. It's workman like. Yeah. It's you know what I mean. They played old. We don't really basketball. like the flash. Yeah, they were old. But even to basketball. today's day, I feel like in most sports, we don't like the flash quite as much as other teams do. No, I'm a quicksilver guy. Yeah. <laughs> The Pats certainly aren't flashy. Oh, <laughs> have they ever been? No, not at all. Maybe the one year with Moss. I was going to say, maybe with Moss. That was about it. All right. Number six. The man who inspired the list, Kyrie Irving, said he wanted to play in Boston. He wanted to be here. He wanted his jersey to hang from the rafters here, like all the other greats that had come through Boston beforehand. And then he bailed. He bailed. He bailed after getting surgery, too, and not playing in Game 7 of a playoff game here in Boston as well. He He bailed. What? He made sure to ruin the locker room. He made sure to ruin the locker room on his way out for those young, up-and-coming talent like Brown and Tatum. Ruined it. Punctured in the hole in what was a promising coaching career of Brad Stevens as well. And, yeah, he was a buzzkill in every sort of way here in Boston. And as I said talked about how he wanted to be a great talked about how he loved the city wanted that jersey to hang from the rafters and then bailed and then when he bailed continued to smack talk boston after he bailed it's not even just the leaving it's then you as much as he wants to criticize the fans you couldn't keep us out of your mouth when you left calling them scorned lovers and stuff like that flipping fans off stomping on the lucky logo last year like a child or was that two years ago I think that was last year. Yeah, that was last year, right? Stomping on the lucky logo like a child. So Kyrie Irving has definitely become one of the biggest villains of Boston sports. Just because also just how unlikable he is. (laughs) The complete opposite of the last two we said. Kyrie is unlikable in almost every single way. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Yep. All right, number, we're in the top five. Yeah, we we are on to the top five. All right, number five. A lot of basketball, mm-hmm. and this this man was part of maybe probably the original rivalry in Boston sports: Bill Russell versus Wilt Chamberlain. Mm-hmm. He was a thorn in their sides when he was with the Sixers. He was a thorn in the side when he was on the Lakers. But you know, Bill Russell was all about the Dubs, getting the championships, getting the rings. And Wilt Chamberlain, you know, he loved to put up those numbers. And boy, did he against the Celtics! 
and boy did that create such a such a great rivalry and really set the tone for so much of this throughout sports for years to come. And now Will Chamberlain. Now, did I get to see him play? No, it was way before my time. <laughs> but I, I've heard some things. I've heard some things about how selfish he could be, how much of an a-hole he could be. Now, I've also heard that the Bill Russell-Will Chamberlain rivalry was a little overhyped because they were actually pretty good friends, apparently. <laughs> but like that almost fueled the rivalry even more because of how friendly they were. They always wanted to outduel each other. But Bill Russell was just, you know. He was a winner. He was a winner. Yeah. A winner. And Will cared about Will. All right, next one. Alex Rodriguez. Ah. And this is an image. There are two images of Alex that will burn in the mind of any Red Sox fan. That is Jason Veritek smashing his face. <laughs> <laughs> just just smothering him with his gloved head uh, in that brawl. And then the funnier one, the best one, in the playoffs, giving a little fairy swat at Bronson Arroyo's glove trying to knock the ball out of his hand. So... Two images of A-Rod that live in everyone's mind. A-Rod was supposed to come to Boston. He was going to be here. He was going to be in the middle of our lineup with David Ortiz and Manny Ramirez. And Well, no, Manny was going to be... They were going to ditch what? Manny. Oh, yeah, that's right. They, that, were, gonna, they, were, they were maybe going to ditch Manny. Maybe. Yes. But still, he was going to be in the middle of this lineup. Aaron Boone and all that had just happened. And it was the offseason after... We had fallen short once again to that home run of Aaron Boone. He was going to come here, and then the evil empire swooped in, it seemed, at the last minute and got him. And the hatred and the vitriol was paramount from the very first pitch of the season. And in the minds of every Sox fan, and when you would ever talk to a Sox fan, I, I can remember this clearly when he went to New York. I remember this whole offseason. I remember how devastated people were and how mad it way were that the evil empire had gotten him. And it doesn't help that A-Rod's another one who's kind of just seems, comes across a bit of like an elitist sort of a-hole. There's the, there's the steroids thing stuff afterwards and all that. So that doesn't help him too. But again, that time period when Boston was just so desperate to finally get over that hump and win a championship and to have him go to the Yankees once again, it was, uh, it was quite, yeah, it, was, it was not a great feeling in Boston. No. Thankfully, we got over it, though, and, and we won in that season. But he was it burned him as one of the most hated guys in Boston sports forever after that. So number four, Alex Rodriguez. Well, you talk about that image of him slapping the ball out of Arroyo's glove. Uh-huh. Did you ever see that Photoshop picture? Oh, yeah, where the they purse. gave him that the, yeah, the, purse. the purse. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I think it was by, like, way back in the day, it was, like, my profile or cover photo once on Facebook, <laughs> like, after it happened. Oh. Uh, that was great. Hey, Rod, well-deserving. His face, too, when they called him out at second is also just oh, a lot. He got, he oh, he put the hands oh, out. Like, oh, what did I do? What did I do? What did I, oh. what did I put? Then he's like trying to tell the umpire, this is my running motion. Yeah. This is how you run. Come on, dude. Oh, Shut up, A-Rod. What made it worse is then those stupid Yankee fans. Oh, yeah. They flipped out, started throwing debris on the field, delayed the game. Red Sox were pulled off the field. Well, there was another call that had gone against them earlier in that game. I forget what it was. Oh, it was the heck? Uh, no, it was the home run one. Yeah, it was Bellhorn's home run yes. that went off the fan, but yeah, they didn't originally call it. Yeah. yeah, they didn't originally call it a home run, but then they called it a home run. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Oh, what a series! What a series! Uh, but all right, number three, we're in the top three. Mm. Now this one is a twofer. It is the Manning brothers, Peyton and Eli, and 
You know, I don't know which one would be more. I feel Peyton is probably more the villain just because he played Tom Brady and the Patriots so many times. And every game was down to the wire, it seems. And every game just had a dramatic ending in some form or another. So many playoff matchups. Um, so many AFC championships against each other, whether it was the Colts or the Broncos, this man would just never leave us alone. Uh, but we're still better than him. <laughs> and then you have Eli, crushing dreams. Now, did he even play that well in those two Super Bowls? No, I don't really feel he did. I don't care. He was the MVP. The defense should have got it maybe both times. Maybe less, more time the second <clears throat> time he played better. But literally, he, he made two great throws and ruined our lives because of it. And like, what is there's there's different kinds of villains out there. Yes. There's that there's that evil genius that's just so evil to the core. There's that villain that's like, well, I understand where you're coming from. You're just doing it the wrong way. And there's the, that villain that just does things and like just Seems dumbs. Lucky. Yeah, dumps his way about ruining everything. <laughs> and that's Eli. Yeah, I was gonna say I I you said Peyton's the bigger maybe Peyton's the bigger villain. I don't think he is. I think Eli is. I mean, I guess the the game. I think he people won appreciate the Peyton stuff even here in Boston, and and we always were like, it's it's kind of like the Wilton and Bill Russell thing a little bit too. Not that no one says Peyton wasn't about winning, but we're like, well, Peyton and Tom might be really close. They might be so great, but Tom is the better clutch one, and mm. and Tom is better. I think Eli just frustrates and pisses off Boston fans everywhere because like he's not even that good he made like two throws he got two lucky catches like he's not that good he threw so many interceptions all the time like, yeah he just kind of <laughs> stumbled his way into two rings yeah even before his brother got a second i think ring. i think the eli stuff is just frustrating and maddening to sports fans yes definitely whereas yeah. at least i can i can i can my brain can fathom all the stuff with peyton like yes. i get it he was oh. amazing oh of course and the other thing, I don't even, like, you know, he's a villain on the field. Mm -hmm. But Peyton Manning, the man, funny guy, cool guy. Oh, yeah. I loved Peyton Manning, the man. When he did SNL, that was hilarious. Yeah. So funny. Mm -hmm. You know, Peyton Manning's SNL was better than Tom Brady's SNL. So at least Peyton's <laughs> better than him at something. <laughs> but that's that's number three, the Manning brothers. All right. Number two. And by the way, I've seen him number one on, like, every single list that I actually looked at that people have been but doing. people are forgetting what number one should be. Yeah, they really are forgetting what number one should be. We'll let you know in just a few minutes. But this man is not number one. He's number two. Get it right, Boston Columns. All right? Roger Goodell is number two. Mainly for the Deflategate stuff. All right? He made, he made C-Mick, he made it personal going after Brady. Why would you go after the most successful star in your business, in your industry? Why did Goodell think that was a good thing? trying to discredit what we had done to the Colts, discredit what we had done as a team up until that point, just because the PSI of some footballs were a little bit lower than what league standard was, as if that totally had an effect on the ass-kicking they put on Indianapolis. Yeah, they ran all over them. <laughs> yeah, they ran all over Indy. But that totally affected the outcome of the game. It seemed like Goodell, for some reason, made it personal, going after Brady and giving suspensions longer than Ray Rice for beating the crap out of a woman, <laughs> you know? So, you know, screw Roger Goodell. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he is a villain just across the NFL world. He is. But he really, you're right, he made it personal with the Patriots and us. Yeah. And oh boy, when we, when we won that Super Bowl 51 against the Falcons, and if you went to the parade, signs, pictures of Roger Goodell <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> Everywhere. This man's face was plastered on everything. 
But all right. Number one. Mm. The the tr- wait 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 no no the true number one. Get it right, Boston sports yes. columns. The one that started it all. Yes. The original Boston villain. Some of you might not even recognize the name when I say it, but when I'll explain it to you, you'll understand. That we are right. Yes. Harry Frizzee. Who? Well, he was the owner of the Red Sox. I think he was maybe even the original owner of the Red Sox. Might have been. And what did he do? He sold what many believe to be the greatest baseball player of all time, he sold them to the rival Yankees so he could make money and produce a play because he didn't care about the Red Sox. And he then destroyed what was the top franchise in the American League, five World Series in f- first 15, and then nothing since. 86 years of nothing because this man cursed the team by selling one of the greatest, if not the greatest baseball player there ever was or maybe ever will be. <laughs> To the Yankees because he wanted to produce a play called No No Nanette that nobody saw. <laughs> this man destroyed the class of the baseball in the American League because for personal gain. Who knows? Who what could have been? We could have had the 27 World Series. Yeah. The Yankees were nothing before that. We, we could have those 27 World Series rings. Right. I'm you know just what? saying. Maybe it wasn't be 20. Maybe it'd be more than 20. Maybe it'd be 30. Because maybe we'd have 31. Maybe. Yeah. Like, he destroyed this franchise. They were nothing. The Red Sox were nothing for decades after that. Mm -hmm. This villain. Oh, because he didn't give a damn about baseball. He wasn't making enough money from baseball. So he's like, I'm going to sell the best I got because I don't care. Curse the team for 86 years. Yeah. 86 years of pain in Boston sports just because of this one man, Harry Prezzy. And I hope he watched 04 from hell. I hope he watched 04 from hell. Uh, you know, would that make him feel vindicated, though? Oh, they eventually no, would. I, I hope that made him feel worse. <laughs> like, oh, all this excitement just because I had to sell a guy 86 years ago. Yeah. But that is it. That has been our top well, 10 list. I, there was some honorable mentions. We oh, had yes. That we there are honorable just, mentions. Yes. Some, some outsides looking in. Uh First is Jeremy Jacobs, the owner of the Bruins, because he is just doesn't give a damn really about the team. Shout out to Dan Lorenzano on that one. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was a great one. Like, uh, we, we don't like Jeremy Jacobs. Another one is Roger Clemens, mm-hmm. former Red Sox pitcher, went to the rival Yankees, and really tore it up against us too as well. Um, a, a polarizing figure, <laughs> you know, in the middle of some fights, looking at o- the 03 uh, ALCS. Another one, George Steinbrenner. The owner of the the longtime owner of the Yankees, he didn't make this list. I he was thought to be on this list. I vetoed it because I've learned that he is a bitch. He is a spineless little bitch, and that's why he can't be on this list because I think he's just a. There's there's stories about him being the kind of guy who what was it? He he got other people to do his dirty work for him. Mm. That's what he and I hate people like that. Mm. Now does that make you a decent villain in some ways? Yeah, but like. Everyone did your dirty work for how did you. you. Get, how did you get? How did you get these stories? These past inside stories. Uh, uh, Joe Torre's book. Yes, I can't remember the title of it right now. But actually, fascinating read. Mm. Um, and then and the last one, Bernard mm. Poller. Nothing wrong with the man. He just seems to injure every patriot that matters. Brady, Gronk, Wes Welker, uh, Stephen really was another one. He just loves to tear Patriots ACLs. Mm. That's why he made the honorable mention. All right. And with that, we are just about ready to wrap this one up. 
Jesse, back to you for the Tommy report real quick. Yes. So it's been not the most eventful week for Tommy. It started it started off with uh, a comment by uh, Tristan Wirfs of the Buccaneers. Someone asked him if he had Tom Brady's number. Mm. He said, no, I don't. Bro, I have Tom Brady's number. He put it on Twitter. Oh, yeah. I, I have that. his number in my phone. But anyway, so then Tommy texted him. He texted him, Tristan, we've been trying to reach you regarding your car's extended warranty. Tom Brady got jokes. And, you know, he announced Tommy. Tristan Wirth has his number now. Good for Tristan. He made it. He made it to the team. He's a member yeah. of the team now. Yes. But then a little other Tom Brady news. You know, every year he plays a golf tournament seemingly in the offseason now. This year he's going to be paired up with our favorite man, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers. And he's going to be taking on Josh Allen and uh, Patrick Mahomes. So that, look for that coming up. I feel like they're not even going to look right in golf gear. Patrick and Josh. Josh Allen. No, actually, there's a here's a picture of it. Right Josh now. Allen's. They just, look a little goofy. Josh Allen's just too big, and Mahomes just doesn't look like a golfer. No, they do look. Actually, you know what? No, Mahomes. When Mahomes puts the hat on, he looks fine. Okay. Yeah, but I've never seen a lot of guys with that that mohawky hair uh, yeah. on, on, a, on a golf course. No. no, no, they all. Every golfer looks the same now, yeah. except Tiger Woods. Except Tiger. But even Tiger has a clean haircut and like not. Like, no, yeah, he, he dresses like all the rest of them. Yeah, he has the haircut. It's mostly the hair of Mahomes that makes me like that. Doesn't look like a golfer. <laughs> but hey, look, look for that. Yeah, but like, I, Aaron still had the long hair too. He wouldn't look like a golfer either. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, that that has been your weekly Tommy update. That's yeah. what he's been up to. And now for the Darwin Award. This was a tough one this week, but we do have one that we at least. It's a weird conundrum that we then find funny after a while. So anyway. Drum roll, please, for the Darwin. This week's Darwin Award winner is the city of Philadelphia. Hey. Philadelphia sports. Originally, it was going to be Alec Bohm for thinking it was a smart idea to mouth the words, I effing hate this place, when you know the camera is going to be on you after you made three errors in an inning. However, we did not give it to Alec Bohm because for some odd reason, it seems that that made the Philly fans and the city of Philadelphia like him more, which begs the question, what is wrong with the city of Philadelphia and their sports fans? It's weird. Are they sick-minded? Maybe. I, I, I think the city of Philadelphia gets off to knowing that people hate them, including their own players. They're never happy. They're never happy. But they seem to be, again, they seem to get off on never being happy. They're really into it. No. They're into being like, we want to be known as the, the biggest jerks of all the jerks. Yeah. But how does that help you as a team and a brand? Who really wants to go to Philadelphia now and play for your team? I'm just saying. Mm. They're sick-minded over there in Philly. Yeah, yeah they, they, they used to <laughs> boo Santa that one time. They actually, they, they're part, they made Bill Burr so famous mm -hmm. because he was doing a comedy show in Philly and they were just booing everyone the second they stepped on the stage. And Bill Burr stood up to it and just crapped all over that city. You, and he's like, you people have a statue to a fictional boxer. That's how, that's how odd your sports thing is. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> it's a weird city, man. There's it nothing is. like it. We were there last year. I know. We had Philly cheesesteaks. Listen, I've been to Philadelphia a bunch of times. Because oh, I have a couple of friends who live there. Time. Oh, really? I think so. I've been there. I've been to multiple Philly games. I think I've been to... Three or four Philly games, I think. It's they it's ruined Papelbon. It's just a bizarre sports city. It is. I wonder how much they boo Harper. I think they boo him quite a bit, especially oh, when he's struggling. Probably. But again, like 
why would you want to go play in Philly now as a free agent and deal with that? It just seems counterproductive by the fans. Yeah. Listen, we'll boo the crap out of people here, but we don't just boo everybody all the time. No. You have to suck for a long period of time or do something. You know, they, they just boo everybody. It's crazy. And I can't believe that somehow Alec Bohm doesn't get this Darwin. But again, because of the sick-minded Phillies, <laughs> somehow that makes him even more love for saying that he hates them all. So Darwin Award winner, the city of Philadelphia. You guys are weird. All right, that has been it for Slow Your Roll this week, everyone. We will be back on Monday with a special two guests in, and we will do an entire show previewing the NFL draft. It's going to be an interesting one. You know, no high-level quarterbacks, but a lot of bouncing around who's going to take what, what are the Pats going to do, all those kind of stuff. How high is Aiden Hutchinson going to go? Is he going to be the first pick? We will, we will talk about all of that next week. So that has been it for Slow Your Roll, guys, at Slow Your Roll on Instagram. Uh, slow your roll on Twitter and slow your roll.com. Jesse Caulfield oh, is on Instagram now, finally. And a new Twitter. Yeah. It's just it's just my name. Oh, Jesse Caulfield? Yeah. Or, Isn't or, that your Instagram too? Is it Jesse underscore Caulfield? Yeah, I think so. For your for, actually I think it's it's my last name, then my first name, Caulfield Jesse. Yeah, exactly. For uh for his selling of programs outside Fennel and for his articles that are in those yeah. programs as well, as he is the writer for the Yaki yeah. Wave Report. Thanks to everyone that came and saw me at Fenway this weekend. Yeah, gate A all the time, right? Pretty on much, weekends. Pretty much. Yeah. Go come come see Jesse Caulfield, co host and writer of the Yaki Wave Report at Gate A. All right. Have a great rest of your week, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs>